you, but I feel like I kind of thawed out from winter this week. It's a little warm out there. Hey, we just uh, want to invite you to stand to, uh, with us right now and uh, just greet the people around you, say good morning, and see how everybody's doing. We just want to invite you to worship along to this song with us. We worship a God who is with us in 
all the stuff of life, the things that we face in this life, uh, we can bring them to our Lord and he can be with us. There are so many things that we tend to carry on our shoulders that we can just surrender to Jesus and he can help us fight those battles. As we sing this song, we just uh, invite you to think about the things in your life that maybe you need to bring before Christ, bring before God that he can help you handle because there are things that we carry uh, that just are, are heavier weights than we need to be carrying. So today, I hope that you can just release some of those things and find some rest today as we invite God to fight our battles for us. Let's sing this together.
Before we sing this next song, um, Pastor Eric is going to talk about Colossians 2 and how uh, Christ is enough. And we had the whole series, we were talking about all the enoughs in our life. Uh, but today we're going to talk about the sufficiency of Christ for everything we need. And, and uh, 2 Corinthians 12 also addresses that when Paul is talking about uh, the thorn in the flesh that he had. And he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But these are the words that God gives to Paul. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So just a, a great reminder from Paul that uh, in all those times when we feel like we're not enough, when we feel like we've got all these flaws, uh, these, these problems in our life that we just can't get past, we need to recognize that Christ's grace is sufficient for us. All of, all of Christ is sufficient for us. So we're going to sing Christ is Enough, um, kind of a callback to our Enough series. Decided to follow. Have decided. 
through third grade to come over for children's worship. We're going to go meet Miss Lori over in the corner there. Close our eyes, talk to God. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for bringing us here on this beautiful day. Thank you that we got to have a nice warm week and have tulip time and be in the parades and have so much fun. Please be with us today during our lessons and let us learn more about you. And all the kids said, amen. All right, see you, everybody. Have fun. Well, good morning to y'all. It is uh, literally good to see you this week. Um, after not really being able to open my eyes last week Sunday without pain. So um, saying that, I want to say thanks to Pastor JB, uh, to Pastor Bill, to uh, Drew and Matt, to Pastor Sarah, to everybody who just 
shifted course Saturday night as I was in the ER on Saturday and coming back. Um, it's awesome to be a part of a team here at Heart of Lake where everybody's got each other's back and we can move and maneuver and sometimes people don't always understand how to celebration fusion watershed, how do all these things work, but let me just tell you, it, it works. Um, it's awesome to be able to be a part of that team and so I publicly want to say thank you to everybody who, who shifted on a dime um, to make worship not skip a beat. Pastor JB had an awesome message. I threw my message from last week away. So there you go. Great illustration from the Goonies, but I tried to work it in today. Couldn't quite get there. Um, but speaking of that too, today we have our third Sunday potluck. Uh, and with our third Sunday potluck, um, this week and over the summer, we want to just identify a few different groups of people who make watershed happen on Sunday mornings. And uh, today, we're, and we're kind of providing the meat for the potluck. So today, hot dogs and brats. So if you need some lunch, come hang out with us. Um, but we've said this, I've said this before, I want to say it again. I'm incredibly grateful um, for Matt's interim leadership uh, for us over this last year. Uh, it's been a year where he's stepped in in that role. I'm incredibly grateful. If anybody is part of the, I'm, I'm going to draw attention to you. If you'll stand, if you're part of the worship team, if you're, and that means sound, you're part of sound, you're part of um, the video stuff, and if you shake your head, I'm going to call your name out. <laughs> I see Smiley <laughs> up there. Just, again, these are some of our brothers. You can sit down. <laughs> these are some of our brothers and sisters who give their time. Um, I mean, you volunteer. You work other jobs. You have lives. You have kids. You give your time to us to make Sunday mornings happen. Um, we see that with our children's ministry, our hospitality, things like that. But this morning, um, today, we just want to celebrate these folks and say thank you. Um, and again, glad that Drew is now with us and Stephanie that you guys are here too. So praise God for, for that. So saying all of that, uh, why don't we go to God in prayer this morning? God, thank you again that we can be together, that we can worship you. Thank you, uh, Lord, for the ability to, I know just personally today, stand here um, Thanks for the health that you give us, for the sustaining power that you have during the night as we sleep. Uh, Lord, for the breath that we breathe, for the energy we have, for, Lord, um, being able to enjoy tulip time or endure it, depending on who you are. <laughs> Lord, for in a community to see uh, in parades and the desire and the joy of folks who have tried to make um, visitors to our community feel welcome, to the joy of dancing and um, celebrating, whether it was Tulip Time, Cinco de Mayo, other things that were going on. God, the, the families that have been able to spend time together over the last week, um, maybe for a break from school for a day or so for, for some of our students, but Lord, for weeks like this um, where we can just kind of enjoy life or take a moment to possibly just slow down, 
Father, Sundays are a moment that you've gifted us with, the Sabbath. Um, now, not all of us always get to take Sunday as a Sabbath. But Lord, you have, you've called us to rest. You've invited us into it. It's not a demand. It can certainly sound like a command. But Lord, it's an invitation for us to stop. To sit here in this space. To, to rest. To rest from our work. To rest from what we put our, our, our minds, our energies, our creative powers into throughout the week. Sometimes uh, we, we put the, it's the have to. Um, Lord, because we need to make sure food is on the table. But Lord, a Sabbath, this is a moment where we just get to, we get to breathe for a moment. We get to see that the world doesn't revolve around us. Lord, that you are holding it and that you're holding us. Father, I pray as we've sung songs already, we've, we've prayed prayers, we've heard your scripture, we've, we've talked to one another, we've shared a donut and a coffee, or, Lord, that, that in this time, as we hear from your word, as we take communion as well, that in this moment of rest, we can be rejuvenated. That something in our spirit, God, you can, you can breathe some new life into us. And so, Holy Spirit, breathe. God, we slow down, not to accomplish something for you, not to put on a face and pretend. Not to posture, not to do anything other than simply be who we are in the face and in the presence of a God who loves us. Who loves us in the midst of all of our flaws and our failures. Who loves us and celebrates in the midst of all of our joys and our triumphs. A God who believes always in the best in us, in possibility, and refuses to leave us in the messes and the problems and the stresses, Lord, that we live in, we trudge through sometimes. So God, thank you that you have something more for us, that you believe something more for us, And that you work for our benefit, for our good, and for the good of this world. So God, as we hear your word, may we be reminded again today of good news. That we are people of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus. That we are in you. And that you are more than enough for us. So Holy Spirit, speak through your words. Use my words, God. Transform the words that are in my mind, that are on on the page, that, God, you want heard, and and use them for your benefit. Lord, if there's stuff that you don't want said, just, just get rid of it. But Lord, speak only what you want us to hear. And work in each of us. Encourage our hearts and our minds. In Jesus. God, it's all these things, all these prayers, and certainly many more. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we've been continuing in our series, Jesus, the glory and mystery of God. We've been journeying through Paul's letter to the Colossian church. When we went, started way back, this is Paul sitting in jail in Rome. 
speaking to like, so if he were sitting in jail in New York City, he's uh, sending a letter to Borculo, right? That, that, that's, that's what, that's like the world difference of what's going on. And Paul didn't start this church, but he certainly has heard about how the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus has taken root in their lives. And how they're living in that is making a difference. It's impacting people's lives. It's literally changing the world. And, and so Paul wants to encourage them. But not only encourage them, he knows that they're facing some challenges. And today we're going to talk about, finally, what those two challenges are that they're facing. As I was thinking about the message this week, um, there was an image that came to my mind, and that's uh, one of detailing a car. And uh, I loved detailing cars kind of because I get a little anal retentive and meticulous. I'll just say it, okay? Um, It has been said of me, and I'll just claim that. Okay. (laughs) But uh, that was one of my side jobs growing up, detailing cars. And as I thought about um, uh, washing, waxing, I I also started to think about, and, and, and in light of this message, my relationship with both of my grandfathers and how I could kind of actually identify my relationship with each of them by detailing cars. What do I mean by that? So my grandpa, um, my grandpa owns. So he, he when I, this started when I was like 12. And, and it's partly because my brother first was detailing his cars. So, you know, you kind of get to ramp up in, in big brother's coattails. Every once in a while, it's like, yeah, sweet, I got a job. I got a job at the golf course because of my brother. I got to detail grandpa's car. Grandpa owns his car because of my brother, right? But for my grandpa owns, uh, it was one of these things where it was like, hey, I just want to find a reason to give you money. How many of you like that? Right? <laughs> like, hey, you want to find a reason to give me money? Okay, sure. I'll do some work. And he's like, hey, I need my cars waxed. And, and this is fun. This is great. It, but the cool thing with Grandpa Holmes is he'd be like, oh, yeah. He'd, he'd like tell my cousins, oh, yeah, look at Aaron waxed my car. Didn't he do such a nice job? Right? There was just this encouragement. You were like, yeah. And I'm going, man, that was a bad job. I could have, Grandpa, I missed this. No, no, no. That was, that was wonderful. Thank you so much. Right? And when you work, how many of you ever had a boss like that? Anybody? Right? It makes you, <laughs> Drew, don't shake your head, no. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. How many, what is this? <laughs> the reality, right, with that is that, like, we're excited, aren't we? We're excited to work. Thanks for throwing me off. <laughs> it makes you want to work when you know you're appreciated, right? He didn't have a point to prove with me. Yes, did he want me to do a good job? Sure he did. But it wasn't about the job I did for him. I was his grandkid. He loved me. And it was more seeing me put the work into it and seeing the, my sense of accomplishment in it, my joy in his joy. So I, I can't tell you how many cars I've waxed for him. And again, it's kind of, I know a few weeks ago I talked about a letter. That's, that's, those are my grandparents. who They were the ones who were always that encouragement to me. But then I had my grandpa Vanderveen. Only ever waxed his car once. One time. Why? Now I'm grateful I've had my grandpa Vanderveen in my life, throughout my life. I'm blessed to have both of my grandpa- sets of my grandparents throughout my life. But my relationship with my grandpa Vanderveen was one in which it was always 
something he had to prove or a point he needed to teach me. It was never about, like, me. It was more about him. Wax a car, no thank you. Well, how much do I owe you? I don't, I don't know, Grandpa. <laughs> well, I don't know. Did you do a good enough job? I, you tell me, Grandpa. I don't, I don't know. What's it worth to you? I, I'm going in like I do Grandma, uh, Grandpa Holmes's car, right? Like for the joy. And you, now this is some business proposition. Well, I mean, you've got to figure out what it's worth. because you're. T- and it's a valuable lesson. But my whole life with him was always about something else, something he needed to prove to me. I did finally get to hear him say, I love you, a half a year before he died. But most of my relationship was not about a joy and appreciation, a you matter. Most of that relationship was, what are you going to do? What are you going to do for me? Did you do it right? It's the reason why I'm meticulous. (laughs) Paul's going to talk to the people today. We've been talking throughout this whole series in Colossians about the gospel. He doesn't want them to be moved from the truth of what Jesus has done for us. And he says now today that there are going to be voices that tell you it's not about what's been done for you. It's about what you have to do. And people are going to try to move you from this gospel every time you think you got it. But Paul, again, is going to remind us, don't be moved by them. Right? Because we get to live from a place of God's grace, acceptance, love. We don't ever work for it. It's been done. It's not about what we do. So let's hear Colossians this morning and hear kind of what Paul's doing. We're going to stop and go kind of throughout the text today. But we're going to pick up in verse 6. This is where Pastor JB uh, kind of made the point of his sermon last week, talking about maturity. And so let's hear that again. So then, Paul says, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, right? He's the king of your life. He's number one. Continue to live your lives in him. Rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness, right? Mature in this life in Christ. And he says now this, see to it, right? This is the thing, the minute you think you got it, somebody's going to come and try to take this way. So see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition, in the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ, right? See to it that nobody takes you off on some other ideas, some other grandiose plans, some other, some other way of thinking or believing or practicing that isn't grounded in Jesus Christ, right? That's our foundation. Paul says, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. We heard that when we heard that Jesus is all of God. When we see God, we see the face of Jesus. And when we see Jesus, we see the face of God. And he says this, that in Christ, not only is Christ the fullness of God, in Christ you have been brought to fullness. Let me say that again. In Christ you have been brought to fullness. 
That's an already finished reality. It's an already finished work for every one of us. Paul's declared this to the church 2,000 years ago, and he's declaring it to the church today. You and I are not living a glass half empty or half full life. In Christ, we have a glass that is always full. Paul will go on to say this. He, Jesus, is the head over every power and authority. So if you want to talk about power, spiritual powers, Jesus is the head over all of those. In him, you are also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised for Christ, when you were brought into his family. Verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism, right? Because baptism is... What we see is circumcision. It's our initiation into God's family. right? In this baptism in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Now when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our Not some of our sins. Remember this fullness, right? He forgave all of our sins. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and the authorities. Right? If you want to talk about a spiritual world, the powers and authorities, he disarmed them. He made a public public spectacle of them, actually, triumphing over them. By the cross. Right? There's a finished work in Jesus. Paul's concern for us and for the church is this that we are not carried off of the foundation of our fullness in the finished work of Jesus. Right? Paul's concern, our concern, is that we don't get carried off of the foundation. Right? What we are rooted in, what we establish our lives in, what we build ourselves up in. Like if you're learning a sport, if you're learning a, a music, musical instrument, if you're learning a trade, right? you've got to figure out what the foundation skills are to build off of so you can grow and become what? Something mature, as Paul would say. Right? But Paul says, listen, when there's voices, there are always going to be voices trying to pull you away. There's this great Goonies illustration. (laughs) A little Mikey when he finds, I'm telling you, we were going to watch it. It was so good. (laughs) Right? He he found one-eyed Willie's treasure map. And there's all kinds of excuses trying to pull him off. But that map, that drive, man, that that kept him rooted in the journey. And and what do they they do? They find one-eyed willies. If you've never seen the Goonies, sorry. But they find the ship, and then you get to hear, Hey, you guys! Right? (laughs) My favorite scenes of the movie. But that foundation is so important for us because we get our foundation wrong. The house can't stand, right? I'm building a house right now. If the foundation wasn't built solid, wasn't built on the right stuff, it isn't going to last. So Paul says, don't get knocked off your foundation. Don't let anybody move you from the foundation. The foundation is this. Your life is already full in Jesus. Can you fill up something that's already full? No. No. Do you need something more? 
if your life is already full? No. Are you ever lacking if you're full? No. Because our fullness isn't in us. It's in the finished work of Jesus. When he said, it is finished, it is finished. As I've been studying the passage, um, this brought me back to a study by Pastor Louis Giglio. And Louis Giglio um, is best known for the Passion Conference. If you're familiar with that, a college-age kind of conference that's been going on for years. And they've actually helped produce some of the newest modern worship music we have uh, today, some of the artists and things like that. But Louis says this about this passage. He said, oftentimes, right, someone or something's going to come in and, and make us think or feel like we've got to do external things to create this internal reality, right? And the internal reality is the new life that Christ has given us. That when Christ gave all of his work on the cross, when we were raised to life, as Paul says, when we've been circumcised into his family in our baptism, God gave us a new reality that works from the inside out, not the reverse. It's not about getting the external things right so somehow we change the internal. It's actually about the fact that God changes the internal and it's from that internal then that the external begins to change. And so we begin to tap into God, what are you doing? And the gospel is the root to that internal new life that we have in Jesus. But the problem is, and what we're going to see with Paul, is people don't like this. Our human nature doesn't like this. Because I can see the external, I can't see the internal. Sometimes that internal change takes a while <laughs> before it reaches the external, right? Right? Oh, you know Jesus, so you should be like this, right? I should not have as colorful language as I do. Sorry, I don't have any colorful language on Sunday morning, but. <laughs> right? It takes a while for sometimes that internal change to work its way out, but man, we want to see the external things. Paul identifies this. He says this in verse 16. Let's continue in our text. He says, Therefore, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat, or drink, or with great regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. They're a shadow. Another way you might say this, these were signposts. These were never the point. They were pointers, but they themselves weren't the end. Right? The reality, however, is found in Christ. The trap that Paul is identifying and that the community in Colossae was facing was they were, in, they were encountering some of the, the, the Jewish religious folks who were persecuting Paul. And the Jewish religious folks were all about the law. And the law was what? It was about what we do versus what's been done. Right, the new moon celebrations, the Sabbath, these are all exterior things. And it doesn't mean that God didn't value his law, but his law was there to point us to him. The law was there to point us to Christ. For us, the law is there. Yes, does it offer guides and guards for us? Absolutely. But its first and most important duty is to point us to our Savior. Our need for him and also our gratitude for what he's done. But so often we live in a world where it's more, more, more. 
What have you accomplished? What have you done for me lately? Right? What, it's about performing, right? The religious trap that isn't anchored in Christianity. Christianity is a religion, so I'm not saying we're not. But the religious trap that's ungrounded in Christ is one that says, no, you've got to do more. You're not enough if you haven't accomplished X, Y, and Z. There's a perfect 10-point plan of discipleship, and until you reach point 10, you're not there. <laughs> right? It's about posturing ourselves into position, making ourselves look like we're doing it. Or it's about saying, you know what? Hey, God's kingdom looks like this, so we better get on board, or else God. And it becomes, our faith becomes a list, a checklist. Or it becomes a just-in-case kind of life. Man, I better do this just in case. Just in case God is real. You know what? Maybe I, I better not do that. I, I was reading, uh, I've been reading the book, The Ragamuffin Gospel. It's coming up for one of our uh, Fear and Trembling podcasts uh, that us as pastors do. And, and Brennan Manning talks about his experience growing up in, in the church and how uh, if you went to like a Yankees game, you'd have to think about the levels of like sin if you were going to be there on a Friday. And he grew up Catholic, so you know he couldn't eat meat. So then he on a, on a Friday in in that particular time and season. And so, but it, his thinking about it, if he thought about it, well, that was a sin. But what kind of sin was that? And so maybe I'll I'll have to go see the priest earlier about right. And this is no different for any of us, right? So this isn't just marketed, but it was a great a great picture of it. And he's like, so then you're like, you know, but I'm really hungry and I just want a hot dog. And so then I I just say, hey, yo, bring me a hot dog, right? And I shell out the money and then I I actually eat the hot dog. So well now this sin though I did on purpose thinking about it, knowing it was a sin. So that's even worse. So what does that mean? And how many like. Right? This is what we end up doing to ourselves. This is the crazy cycle we enter in. When we let that religious trap grab us. When we say our lives are about doing versus an already finished, done work of Jesus. Paul says, be sure to remember that your, your foundation, what's been done, is full enough for you. So that's one of the voices that the community's facing. Another voice, and I've kind of alluded to it a little bit as we've read, is, a, is what we call a spiritual voice. He says this in verse 18. Don't let anyone who delights in false humility, or we can use the word posturing, right? It, you, you get what I'm saying when I say posturing? Sort of false humility. Does it give you sort of that aura of, but of course, right? I'm, no. Right? Like, for me, that, that, that's sort of a, oh, but I'm, yes, I am, I'm holier than thou. I've, I've arrived. Have you arrived? Right? You know, like, it, 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 there's this false humility, this posturing. He says, Be, beware of anyone who delights in that, in the worship of angels. So now getting into the spiritual realm of things, he says, don't let anybody do that or, and disqualify you, right? Because such a person also goes into great detail about how they've seen, you know, what they've seen. They're, they're puffed up, Paul says, with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. These people think they're spiritual, and Paul says, but they're really not. 
And we're just going to call that the spiritual trap. And the spiritual trap is there's always, you always need more. It's not about doing more. It means you always need more. You don't have enough. Right? Versus you already have everything that you need. Right? You already have it all in Christ. Pastor JB mentioned this last week, and I say it again. I see it a lot around like profession of faith. Well, I won't make my profession of faith until I know. And you go, well, no, you're professing your faith where you are. Like our, our faith is a journey. It's, it's not about having arrived somewhere. If it's about arriving somewhere, I'm never going to arrive until I see Jesus face to face. So then I'm hosed. <laughs> Right, but I profess my faith today where I am, and I'll be where I am tomorrow, tomorrow. Like, but if it's about I haven't arrived yet or I don't know enough, how, how many of you ever go, well, uh, no. I, you know what? I'll pray in church when I learn just enough how to pray in church. You know, like, no, like, that's okay. No, I'll read scripture. I, I can't read scripture because I don't know. I mean, I don't know. No, it's, it's okay. Like, we... Again, it goes back to some of the doing too, but it's this posturing. I feel like I need to be sort of holier than thou. I need to reach a different level. That's that spiritual trap. Right? And we all face these voices, don't we? What do I need to do to add to my faith? What does God want me to do? And, then, and, and while that's a great question, it can also trip us up. There's a tension there, isn't there? Like where we go, I know I want to out of gratitude for what God does. I want to do, I want to live for him, but it, I don't have to perform for him. Right? And I want to grow spiritually. I want to grow. I want to dive into the spiritual practices and, and pray, read the scripture. You know, I might fast. Like, great. But is it so that I, because I'm lacking something and somehow I need something more to, to prove myself to God? No. Those things exist so I can be with a God who loves me. I can sit in his presence. I can, I can enjoy him. Because I already have everything I need. That's the gift of God to us. The rest of our lives, we figure out what this means for us. <laughs> I haven't arrived at what it means to know what it, like, that I have everything. But my journey in life, your journey in life, is, is living into this for the rest of our lives. Learning that our cup is always full. Learning that in the midst of our trials, our pains, our heartaches, there's a God who's still holding us, who's still giving us our breath, who's still sustaining us. There's a God who doesn't leave us in the midst of it. While it doesn't make sense to us, somehow it makes sense to him. And that I know if he's got me and he's got it, it will be whatever it's going to be, but I know I'm going to be okay with him. I don't know if I got it all yet, but man, he's got it. To live from a position of having it all is much different than going, well, I haven't learned enough yet. I don't know enough yet. Yeah, does God want us to grow? Sure. But never at the expense of our position with him and who we are with him. Am I grateful for the lessons that I've learned from my grandpa Vanderveen as much as my grandpa Ohms? Absolutely. I got a lot of my hard work DNA through my grandpa Vanderveen passed on to my dad, passed on to me. Praise God for it. 
But I can tell you this, working from a position from being loved, instead of feeling like it's for love, the from is a lot more freeing. For only feels like you're in prison. And Paul's saying, I don't want you to feel that way. Those voices don't belong. Don't let them shift you. He goes on to say this. These people who are living this aisle, who keep trying to tell, it, tell you this, they've lost connection with the head. The ones who feel like they're most connected then, you know, want to point out that real, go, no, it's about what you do. It's you need more, right? He said, they're not even connected. And it's from that head from which the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. He says, since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why as though you still belong to the world do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Right? These rules, Paul says, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom. See, that's the trick. The do's, the little bit more, you need more. All looks wise, doesn't it? It's got a pretty packaging. We sell it in stores. And yet the reality, Paul says, it's an appearance of wisdom. With their self-imposed worship, you could also say self-centered worship, their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Right? Paul says, listen, we're living, we're playing a different game. We live from a place of from, not for. This is the gift of God to us. We have a sure foundation of which Jesus is the cornerstone, Peter says. Right? We have one who loves us in spite of some of the things we do? Absolutely. But he loves us nonetheless. A God who forgives us, even though we do things that need his forgiveness. But he forgives us nonetheless. Accepts us, has time for us, devotes himself for us, has given himself to us. A God who goes, I will die in your place so you don't have to. So there is now no more condemnation for you. Right? I'm going to make you clean by taking on your dirt. This is the gift we have to live from. If Grandpa Holmes was around, I'd happily wax his car again. Just to see the smile on his face. If Grandpa Vanderveen is around today, I'd wax his car. So he could see the smile on my face. And maybe the smile on my face would breathe life back into his. Because as much as this is a gift that we receive, it's also a gift we give to others. To say, you don't have to posture for me. You don't have to prove anything to me. You don't have to behave in such a way for me to like you. I like you. Right, what a gift. To say, 
You don't have to accomplish something for your presence to be with me. Do I have to like everything you do? Do you have to like everything I do? No, that's not the point. Because all of our lives are anchored in a different story. A story of a finished work. Of working from love and grace instead of for it. Because as we'll see in the, up, in the next verses and what Paul will say next, when we get that, that change works its way out from the inside out. I think it's a great passage today for us to draw our attention and again be reminded of communion. Right? To remember, as we take communion today, we live in a place of from, not for. We live in a done reality, a finished work of Jesus. Not of one that has yet to be done. We live in a place where Jesus says, I have everything you need and you are full in me, so come have your fill. And in fact, we got a lot of bread, so take a big old piece today. <laughs> have your fill. Right, as we celebrate communion, um, I just want to walk through just a, a logistical thing a minute. We've got two stations that'll be on both sides, and we'll have servers. Um, and actually, uh, if I can have the servers just kind of come over here, um, come on up, and the band's going to come up as well. Um, but I want to invite, if you're coming down, come down sort of this aisle, um, the inside aisle around the, the, the chairs and tables, or kind of weave your way and then work your way in a U around the, these final. So you got, got me here? So we're going to work in to out uh, for both station. Uh, you're going to have a piece of bread. You'll hear these words again. Of, this is the body of Christ given for you. Right? That was his work. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. Uh, as is the case and has been, if you're not comfortable taking off a piece and dipping it, we do have some cups there where you pull off the top and there's a bread, there's bread there and then pull off the second layer and there's juice as well. But as we prepare our hearts and minds, we're reminded that Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, right, he was betrayed before he was crucified, said, this is my body given for you. As often as you do this, to participate in it, live in it, take part in it, do it in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he took the cup that they had shared together. He said, this cup is a new covenant. It's a new promise in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink this and do this, do it in remembrance of me. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. All right, come as you feel ready.
you are free. Period. Go with that good news. Let that be the good news that grounds your life, that motivates you, that moves you, that gets you out of bed in the morning, that allows you to sleep at night. And don't let anybody move you from it. I'm going to keep telling you that good news as long as I got breath and I'm standing here. Because that is the gospel. So receive this blessing of our God today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance, his smile upon you, and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's children said, Amen. Feel free to grab, uh, join us outside for potluck. As always, a couple chairs. <laughs> Go in peace. <laughs>